Gospel Fire is a podcast dedicated to the proclamation and celebration of the one true gospel as recorded in the Holy Word of God, to the glory of Christ, and the building up of the saints. Hello and welcome to the Gospel Fire podcast. I'm Aaron Sebastian. Matt is not with me today. He has been on vacation relaxing so I'm here today with Jonathan Bennett he's the associate pastor at Farmdale Baptist Church a certified biblical counselor and one of the best when it comes to addressing matters of the heart I'm excited to talk with him about repentance and uh, his testimony and I pray that you will all be blessed by it uh, so, welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for your kind words. And uh, it's going well. Actually, I just got back from a little mini vacation. Not a full one. I don't know. How long was Matt going? I don't know for sure. A okay. few days, I know. Okay, we were in Indiana for uh, base. I mean, the Louisville, Indiana area. We stayed in Clarksville, Indiana. Cool. Just a night. We were going to go to Red River Gorge and stay in a yurt. You ever heard of a yurt before? No. I hadn't either. I think Jenny, Jenny has known about it for years. And it's almost like a glorified tent, I think. And it's kind of, I think it's meant to be like, it's a way to, ha- I think they're more out in the woods. And so it's like meant to give you the experience being in the woods, but you don't have to sacrifice the air conditioning and the, uh, <laughs> some of the comforts. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so we were going to do that, but there was a two night minimum to stay in it. And oh, yeah. uh, so we went just to do one night and try to get another hiking thing, but long story short, we couldn't do it. So we just ended up staying in a hotel, get the pool. And- oh, I'm not, I'm jealous of all you guys and your vacations. <laughs> I, I don't get, I don't get breaks. <laughs> that's that's fine. But okay, anyway, we always start out with a uh, short. A concise summary of the gospel. Let me start out. The gospel is that uh, we uh, were created by God for the purposes of God to reflect the image of God and and to have fellowship with God and and all of that was good and perfect in the beginning. And uh, Adam sinned. And through Adam's sin, sin entered the world. So therefore, all of us sin and uh, fall short of the glory of God. And, and uh, therefore, all of us deserve God's judgment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. In order for us to be saved and be able to stand before God... Uh, we had to be made righteous and our sin had to be atoned for so Christ came he lived perfectly first of all he died on the cross to take God's wrath uh, for our sin and then uh, rose again on the third day to be able to give us life and uh, to prove that he truly is God uh, in the flesh so uh, if we repent as we're going to talk about today and trust in him uh, we can be saved or will be saved so we talked about 
faith in episode two. We in that episode we discussed that you know faith is accompanied by repentance. That if you truly believe you're going to do something about it, you're going to uh, you know have works that uh, are in step with that belief. Like if I told you there's a buried treasure out here in the churchyard, uh, if you believed me you'd be going to get a shovel and going out there and, right. and getting that treasure. Yeah, well, is. you know, so you're going to do something as a result of that faith. But we didn't really get into what repentance was mm-hmm. a whole lot. So what would you say a simple definition would be? Um, yeah, I, I thought about that. You could go, you could, I'll tell you what, I give a few different approaches to a definition. So one a text that immediately comes to mind, I'm sure it probably comes to mind, your mind as well, is Mark 1.15, where Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, or near, mm-hmm. um, therefore repent and believe the good news, or repent and believe the gospel. Um, and I actually think that demonstrates that repentance is, a, you, you can think of, you, you've talked about faith already, so true saving faith, I would argue is there's it's like a coin. There's two sides to it, um, and they go together. You can't have one without the other. And one of those sides is repentance, and the other is faith or believing. So repent and believe. Um, and uh, so, as far as a summary, the way I, you know, some, sometimes some some will emphasize, you know, the word repentance. Um, in the Greek means like a change of mind. Um, and also some will emphasize that it involves a turning away, a turning away from sin. So I think of a way to summarize that is to say that it is a change of mind about your sin that, that results in a turning away from sin. Uh, your your yeah. attitude has cha- about your sin has changed. You've gone from loving your sin to hating your sin. You've gone from, um, you've gone from being insensitive to it to now you're sensitive to it. And so the result of that change of mind, which is by the Holy Spirit, is you turn away from it and then you turn to Jesus Christ to be forgiven of your sin. Yeah, I've kind of looked at it like you now you agree with God, whereas before you were in disagreement with God, you were enemies with God. Now you are bringing your thoughts and actions in line with what uh, God has commanded and... and, uh, what he said in his word right right and let me add to um this is and i think you we've we basically already said it without saying it um it's more than a sorrow over sin um it's deeper than that because um well i just think of second corinthians 7 for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death so you can act I've met you've probably met people like this and I've met people like this that that have a sorrow over sin um, but it's a worldly sorrow it's um so for example I have a friend who I've known him for years we we used to sin together quite a bit uh, I got saved and of course immediately I just wanted to see him saved and I shared the gospel with him it wasn't received well long story but we've vaguely kept in touch here and there and for years I've been praying for him to get saved. He's been in and out of jail. He's in jail now until um, 
no later than 2025. Um, but anyway, um, one of the things, I've noticed a cycle in him, and the cycle is he'll indulge his sin for a while, I won't hear from him at all, from him at all, and then all of a sudden I get a call from him and he's like really upset about his sin, he's really broken over it, you know, like he, he wants to turn his life around, he wants to change, and so I'll, I'll talk to him about Christ, talk to him about the gospel, basically what he ends up doing, and this is where it produces death. His sorrow, all it does is it produces in him a an attempt to reform himself, to change himself, um, and, and even make himself worthy before the Lord. Uh, but that's not repentance. Repentance is that it will actually lead you to turn to Jesus. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good stuff. So in thinking about repentance, one thing I wanted to bring up is kind of like you got two, seems like you got two ends of a spectrum when it comes to how people think about salvation. And commonly we, we preach, you put your trust in Jesus and you'll be saved, you know, and you believe in Christ and you'll be saved. And I have no problem saying that. I, I agree with that statement, but I think a lot of times repentance is like the ugly stepsister of the, <laughs> of the uh, salvation experience that we don't like to talk about because it calls us to confront our sin. So, but then you got other people on the other side of the spectrum that uh, are very legalistic, you know, really advocating for a works-based uh, salvation Right. So there's two polar opposite ends of of the spectrum that I think are both wrong yeah. uh, to say by themselves, and even in scripture it can be confusing because you've got, uh, you know, you got Paul who talks a lot about justification by faith alone and Christ alone, and it's by grace alone, by grace you have been saved, right. and then you got uh, in James and Hebrews a more what sounds like legalism, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, faith without works is dead, uh, those kind of texts. And it seems like people gravitate almost at times too much to one or the other. How do we uh, reconcile the two? You have people who, in the 90s, everybody was anti-legalism. Mm-hmm. I heard it all the time. Yeah, It was all about the love of Christ, the grace, 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 grace. Right. And if you said, well, hey, you know, we should be living a certain certain way, it was like, ah, legalist, <laughs> you know. It really is like two wings on the same bird. Right. I think Thomas Watson, actually, in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, uh, kind of says that, maybe in those yeah, exact I terms, think, something wanna, similar to that. Yeah, I think that may be true about that book. Uh, but you know they go together but there's a danger of gravitating toward grace so much that we neglect all another thing and I'm kind of getting twisted here but uh, the idea of once saved always saved and we as Baptists we get accused of of this doctrine of uh, and I think falsely a lot of times some some, but when you say once saved always saved you're most people mean I think that okay I 
said the magic words. I, I prayed the prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I had some moment of some kind of grief over my sin. And then uh, I got baptized even. And that, once I've done all of those steps, right. I'm saved <clears throat> and I'm good. And then they go out in the world and they live exactly however they want to. Nothing right. really changed. What do you think about, I guess, what are the dangers of that? And, and how do we avoid kind of falling into that line of thinking? Yeah. And, you know, I guess the difference, too, between uh, when you say once saved, always saved, and we, we believe in the perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. Let me answer that one first, and then I'll get to this issue of the the spectrum and the extremes and everything. Um, I I think it, that's why I think it's better to. I don't think it's wrong to say once saved always saved. I don't think that's. I don't think that's biblically incorrect. It, um, but it just doesn't give the whole picture. Um, um, I think that's why I like. I really like the term perseverance of the saints, and then of course emphasizing, and and the, and the emphasis of that phrase perseverance of the saints, is. It's because um, that's part of what we call the tulip or the five points of Calvinism. And the five points of Calvinism emphasize God's activity in salvation and God's initiative and God's power and everything. And so that P and that fifth point of Calvinism, um, perseverance of the saints, the assumption in that um, within the whole doctrine is that God will ensure that the saints persevere. However, it's 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 also emphasizing that the saints must persevere. So if you're truly a Christian, yes, um, you will persevere, but also you must persevere. <laughs> right. Um, so there has to be an emphasis on the human activity there. Um, uh, in, in that, in other words, we just we have to make sure we emphasize that this, um, yeah, God will preserve you. But you're not passive in this. You don't just sit there and hang out or, or just live however you want to. I mean, it's true True saving faith perseveres. True yeah. saving. That's yeah. the nature of it. It perseveres and it grows. It deepens in repentance. It deepens in faith. Um, and that's how true saving faith is. If you don't have that reality in your life, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking, as one I heard one brother say, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about direction. The direction right. of your life needs to be your growing in faith, growing in repentance. And that's what perseverance looks like. And then, as Jesus says, those who persevere to the end will be saved. Um, so I think that's one. But we must do that under the umbrella, knowing that it is God who works that right. out. And he, he, he guarantees that will happen for his, those who are truly his sheep. Right. So we, we must pursue holiness as Christians. If yeah. we're not pursuing growth and godliness and be more Christ-like and more holy, we're not saved, right, you know. Right. Uh, but to get to the other side of the coin, sometimes when we get to, say we have success in uh, areas of ungodliness that we've decided to combat, and then, mm-hmm. you know, like we quit cussing or quit drinking or quit smoking or yeah. whatever you know, fill in the blank, whatever sin you had to be struggling with that you're fighting against. And then you have a little breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, 
you start feeling good about yourself and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing. You know, I'm, yeah. you get proud of yourself. And I think that's where a lot of the people on the other end of the spectrum kind of uh, get off track is it's, it's setting yourself up for pride. You got people on the, I think, extreme far end of that is that teach the doctor of perfection. Yeah. That in this life you can be completely sinless, which I don't believe is true. Uh, it hasn't been my experience anyway. I think they, they get it twisted when they start to see a little, little bit of that change in their life. And uh, we got we to gotta pursue it fiercely. Like we're responsible to do that. Yeah. But pursue it with the understanding that it's God that grants it. Repentance is a grace of God. Yeah, yeah. And it can seem like it doesn't fit in in the whole you're saved by grace, you know, uh, right? Idea. It can seem like where does repentance fit into that? But repentance is a grace because right. naturally we won't repent right. uh, without God's grace. Well, that gets to. A point that I wanted to make anyway that I, th- I think one of the ways we avoid the whole this whole spectrum you're talking about of legalism and licentiousness and um, is we have we have a I think we have a bad under- I don't want to say a bad understanding um, I'll say a reductionist view of grace and that is and, and John Piper says this often um, or at least he used to I'm, I'm assuming he still says it um, but Grace, when you look in the Bible, that word grace, yes, many times it's talking about what we call the grace of pardon. Like, so God's pardoning grace, like his forgiveness of sins, his um, imputing to us the righteousness of Christ, you know. Um, um, we're cleansed of all our sins. That's God's pardoning grace. And um, there are scriptures that talk about God's pardoning grace. Romans three twenty three and 24, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So that would be something that emphasizes that grace there is used as the grace of pardon. However, there is, and I, I, from my reading of scripture, I could be wrong about this, and I think I've heard other brothers say this, the more common usage of the word grace is actually the grace of power. Um, grace, God's power to live a Christian life. And so as you were saying, repentance is a grace. It's God's power working in us to hate sin more and love him more. Um, a good example of this is, um, it, it's funny, when I was in college, I heard people quote this verse as an excuse to live a sinful lifestyle or not to to say you need to get away from that legalism stuff and they'd always quote Romans 6 I want to make sure it's yeah 614 you're not under law but under grace um, now that is a true verse and it's a it presents a glorious reality but that's not what it's saying um, the very context of that verse if you just read the whole verse because that's just part that's just part B of the verse the whole verse says sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. The perp- what Paul was saying there is that sin has no reigning power over you, over your life, because you're not under law anymore, you're under grace. And um, there's a, there's a he's, he's, I think he's retired, uh, he's a pastor and he's written a couple books, uh, his name's Charles Leiter, and he talks about how, and I think Doug, Doug Moo, who's a uh, a real, uh, really good Roman scholar, Pauline scholar, 
talks about how um, grace, sin and grace is like a realm. Um, and so you, you, before you're a Christian, you live in the realm of the flesh, the realm of sin. It, and it's like this dominating power in your life because you live in that realm. But now that you're in Christ, oh, and also the realm of law, uh, meaning your relationship to God is all based on law. You've not done this, you've not done this, you must die. You know, right. um, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Oh, you didn't do it, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, right. um, And that law gives no power for change. Um, but now that you're in the realm of grace, you no longer relate to God through law anymore, and you're not in the realm of sin anymore. You relate to God through grace, and He is constantly giving you power um, to not sin anymore, not let it dominate your life. So I think that's one remedy against this extreme, um, is to understand that grace, it is a power from God that you receive, on a, that you need on a daily basis in order to um, uh, bear fruit. Um, also, um, I think the answer to that also is just keeping your eyes on Christ. Now that sounds very simple, and that sounds very... Like, well, of course, no duh. That's, we always say right. that. Okay, but what does that look like? Well, um, <clears throat> so Romans 7, 4 says, um, you're dead to the law, and mar- I'm, I'm kind of summing it up, but you're dead to the law and are married to Christ so that you may bear fruit for God. Okay? Well, when you think of a marriage, um, you know, in, in a marriage situation, you got a husband and wife, and they're... Um, they are just growing in their, their union and communion with one another. And as they do that, they, they, um, they grow in their love for one another. And, and out of that love, they do good things to each other. Well, that's the picture of our relationship with Christ. John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me, let my words abide in you. Um, so abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. So really, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but really it's all about just pursuing that love relationship with Christ. And as you do that, you're going to want to please Him. You're going to want to right. bear much fruit. The more we love Him, the more we want to repent. Right. And I think that's an important thing to bring up, too. Um, if we've truly been saved, if we've truly believed the gospel and trusted in the gospel, then and we desire uh, to please Him, as you said. We love Him. And out of that love for him flows repentance and good works right, and, right. and uh, things of the like. Uh, I think commonly people who are unbelievers would hear us talk about repentance and, and be like, man, that's like drudgery. That's mm-hmm. uh, something I don't want to know part of repenting, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, Thomas Watson in, in the same book, <clears throat> He said that uh, so dear a sin to a man that he'd rather part with a child than to part with it. So yeah. uh, that idea is just, it goes against uh, our human nature uh, to turn from our sin that we love so much, right. and and that's that's why I think repentance is so important. Uh, it's so important that we have a proper understanding of it because like that is the evidence of our salvation. Right. But there's a lot of, of uh, kind of false repentance and mm-hmm. false ideas of repentance out there that maybe someone says, well, I've repented, but they haven't. 
So they have a false sense of what repentance is. Yep. Therefore, now it's hard for them to examine themselves and see if they're of the faith. Right. You know, so we'll be we'll be talking about those things over the next couple of episodes of kind yeah. of false uh, repentance and then what what the real thing uh, looks like. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? One thing we've kind of said, I don't think we've um, we've not directly said it, but we've been saying it, you know, uh, and that is the idea that, you know, true, just like true saving faith perseveres and grows and the true repentance grows. So it's it's not only a, a, an essential part of conversion, it's an essential part of the Christian life, you know. Right. Um, and so you you deepen in your repentance, you even in your hatred of sin and um, um, you had mentioned how like you know you've got James and Hebrews that, that, that really seem to emphasize um, obedience and repentance and things like that uh, where Paul seems to emphasize faith of course or he, I mean and some and some who will who will attack the views that we're articulating will use Paul as an example to say he didn't talk about repentance. Even, I mean, he may not uh, not use the word, right? Right. <laughs> but he he talked. He spoke about repentance quite a bit. Um, I mean, uh, read Ephesians four, Colossians three. I mean, um, <clears throat> but John is another example. Now he is he is abused terribly. His gospel is abused terribly um, to teach the idea that repentance is not a part of it's not a part of conversion. Right. Um, because he, yeah, he doesn't use that word. But in, in his letters, though. Right, right. <laughs> that's, that's probably where you're going. But, you know, I write these things so that you don't sin. Right, right. You know, but if you do sin, know that they, we have an advocate. Right, right. Yeah, and the of Father. Course, and of course, he used, he, for First John. I mean, yeah, you got First John all over the place talks about, yeah, um, a lifestyle of repentance is a mark of truly being born again. That's And that that's, that's, that's a sub-point that I was going to make. Uh, but actually, the primary point I was going to make is that yeah, in his gospel, he, it's mostly emphasizing faith, 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 um, believing. Um, and and I, I think of two things with that. One, his audience is different than Matthew's audience. So I think with Matthew's audience, um, uh, which is a very Jewish audience, you have to emphasize repentance a lot because they're assuming they're already in the kingdom just because of their Jewish right, identity. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, a good, a good modern example of this is Paul Washer. If you listen to his sermons um, in front of an audience that is consistent of people that have grown up in the church and um, you know they're used to the evangelical life, um, many times he is going to emphasize repentance a lot more uh, than he will emphasize what well, maybe something like the love of God or something like that. But if you if you if he goes to a church that he knows is full of like really solid people. He doesn't usually preach like that. It's much more uh, what we would call warm, and um, I mean, he'll preach on the love of Christ. Yeah. The Song of Solomon is. is uh, I know. I I feel like I get saved every time I listen <laughs> to him. He's he's hard on you. Uh, well, well, that's but then my point is that he's hard on you in, in those those sermons. All right. But if you listen to it, like just listen to a sermon on the gospel or his sermons on the love oh, of yeah. God people. Yeah, he's. It's it's just. It brings tears to your eyes. Doesn't get much better than Paul Washer. Yeah. Either way, he's preaching. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, he will. Uh, he will drive you to the cross for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, and and also he says, you know, one problem he sees in 
people who are very sound doctrinally is they're navel gazers, and uh, they're constantly worried that they're, they're constantly worried about their failures and falling short, and uh, and therefore they're doubting the love of God for themselves. Um, and he doesn't mean that in a psychologized, therapeutic manner. He means it in the like, look, I mean, when, if you're a Christian, God loves you. You need to believe that. And part of your problem is you're not believing that. You're just you're. You think you got to put yourself in some sort of spiritual penalty box before you can earn your way back right. to God's presence. Um, and he actually said, I'll never forget. He said, uh, you know, people ask me, what's the one thing? If I could, if I could, if I could make you believe one truth or just grasp one truth um, as a Christian, it would be the love of God. Um, to know that God loves you immutably, unchangingly. Um, but then back to John. So John's audience is more of a Gentile audience. Um, so that could be one reason he doesn't emphasize repentance as much. But then second, he, um, the kind of faith that he's talking about, you can't have without repentance. Like, so for example, um, you know, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Um, and whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, which he's just giving a, a radical picture of faith, right? He's just saying, feed on me, receive right. me as your very nourishment, um, and I'll save you, you'll never hunger and thirst again. Well, um, if you really have that kind of faith where you're trusting that Christ is your only bread and you just want Him, well, guess what? You're rejecting all the other breads. Right. <laughs> you're rejecting all yeah. the other food, and that's repentance. I love how, and you just brought this back to it, it's a heart issue. A lot of people kind of look at repentance as a, matter of our actions more than an issue of the heart but it really is at its core a heart issue you know right right. Uh, it's a desire to to please God that's it's not that's not there in unbeliever unbelievers right right and uh, you know uh, and and I think that has to be emphasized in because you got some people that overly emphasize the outward, kind of like what you were saying. And this is in that more legalistic camp. That's usually what they emphasize. But then you got some that say, well, you don't know my heart. And they will emphasize the heart, but um, it doesn't lead to any action. And that's just as problematic. Um, Right. um, True repentance is going to be a change of the heart that will result in a change of your actions. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, if we... Pretty well covered an introductory uh, <laughs> tip of the iceberg on, on repentance. I hope this is a helpful conversation for folks to listen to. And Thank you for listening today to the Gospel Fire podcast. We hope that you were encouraged and blessed by this conversation with Pastor Jonathan Bennett about repentance. Matt and I will be discussing repentance further as he returns for the next episode. I also will be releasing some content, uh, some bonus content, where I asked Pastor Jonathan to share uh, his personal testimony and We had a great conversation about that. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss a thing. So be sure to go to Facebook, search Gospel Fire Podcast, uh, like our page, follow us there. You can also favorite us on your favorite podcast 
app and you will then be sure to get all the content that we're releasing and uh, again we appreciate you listening Uh, God bless y'all we love you be careful who you listen to